All right. Welcome, everybody. Sorry it's a little late. I mean, it's already uh, 432. 420 came and went. Sorry. It's all good. You missed the reggae opening dance music, and you saw the idiot me dancing in my reggae outfit. But anyway, who cares? Let's introduce Michelle Molesky. I met Michelle at Cannabis Learn in Philadelphia. She sat on a panel of growers and processors and dispensaries, and it was all around the launch of the new Pennsylvania Medical Cannabis Program, a program declared essential by Governor Tom Ridge in the middle of this pandemic. Tom they, Wolf. They've relaxed. Tom Wolf. <laughs> no Wolf. I don't care. Um, Ridge Wolf. I mean, let's be honest here. We're all the same. Uh, you know, people are going out and they're getting pickups at the outside of the plate. You guys have a drive through. I mean, this is crazy in the state of Pennsylvania. This is in California. And now they're doing yeah. deliveries to caregivers. So, the times have changed in Pennsylvania. Now, they sure I was, have. I was greatly impressed watching Michelle up there with all those uh, other types of, you know, uh, superstar celebrity wannabes that, you know, always stick their face in front of the uh, photo ops, but they're not doing the hard work on the front lines. Now, one thing I recognized right away is Michelle is passionate about this plant's ability to heal, to, um, make an impact on patient's life. We're going to talk about that in this um, interview. Uh, just so you know, her job is Director of Physician and Network Engagement. The company she works for, Alira Healthcare, is one of five super license holders in the state of Pennsylvania. So they grow, they process, and they distribute through their dispensaries, currently in Plymouth Meeting and I think Lancaster is open, right? So they have a yes and Plymouth meeting, and they're under their new name, Apotheca. The, the Apothecarium. That's what the I said. Apothecarium. The Apothecarium. Say that ten times fast. <laughs> uh, and by the way, thank you for those nice uh, black classic tees. Now, Alira also sells your medication to seventy-one dispensaries across the state. And so your job for all the marketing people out there in my class or listening in, that's in the P of promotion in the marketing mix. Now, Alira is a science-driven company. They all say it, but it's not true. It's easy to spot the companies that are playing the patient game today for the rich money of adult legal tomorrow. But that's not Alira. No way. Um, they have partnered with uh, powerhouse researchers in Israel who is so far ahead in the United States in terms of testing uh, over 20,000 tests of double blind studies for all these types of serious illnesses, which Pennsylvania covers. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that. Recently, her company was purchased by the world's first global distributor of medical cannabis in the European Union, Canada, and the USA. Now, Michelle's job is the job of a pharmaceutical sales rep, essentially. The same job that my wife performs each day. And that's the job that she had before she got into this business. Her job involves calling on doctors to prescribe, that call, that prescribe medication, certify patients, or thinking about a, to get in the program. 
She details them on her products, supports them in sharing information that they can use with their patients. She's an advocate as well. They're, you go to their website, you could see uh, they've supported autism, epilepsy, Crohn's, breast cancer, fill abundance, CHOP, etc. She's very active with Soulful Cannabis, which is an advocacy think tank based in media, PA. Skip Shuda, Jason Mitchell, they're very involved with the Caregivers Program, which allows sick patients, which can't get to dispensaries today because of what's happening out there in the world, Caregivers are driving the medication out to these sick people. Now, one thing that is obvious, there's two kinds of people that are in this segment. You have medical patients that appreciate the medicine for what it does. And then you have the Cheech and Chonger, um, Snoop Dogger, Willie Nelson uh, segmentation group that's all about the buzz. Now, that's not what we're talking about here. This is not, you know, the uh, California Recreational uh, Podcast. If you don't believe it works as medicine, I want you to Google Rick Simpson oil and see how he healed his stomach cancer. If you believe it's, it's, there's no medical power in that plant, look at Sun, Sanjay Gunta's first documentary, Weeds, and you'll meet little Charlotte Figgy, who had seizures so severe they said do not resuscitate and CBD saved her life only to have her pass away from CV-19. Well, what a tragic ending to that story. That was so tragic. Oh, my goodness. God rest so, her soul. I know. It's terrible. And so Michelle mm -hmm. has recently joined the ranks as a college professor. That is correct. I have. <laughs> and I'm teaching we, over the same platform of Zoom. <laughs> yes. How much fun is that? Right? Well, you teach yeah. at, the, at the Philadelphia Institute of Technology. Mm -hmm. And your class is Marketing Alternative Healing Therapies. Or as we like to call it at Westchester, Marketing Basics or Principles of Marketing. Yep. Now, a little bit about Michelle's personal life. She's married to her high school sweetheart, Brian who she reminds mm -hmm. him often she is the eye candy on his arm. They have triplet sons who are supposed yep. to be graduating this spring. And uh, yeah, you feel they the actually pain. They actually turn 18 in two days. You feel the pain that our students that cannot are graduating are feeling. Yeah. But you it's know, we'll, we'll still they'll still graduate. We just won't have the ceremony. And my kids are the type that they're not going to the one in August. Okay. <laughs> you know I, mean? I don't blame them. They've moved on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this, this spe special speaker series is a uh, partnership with the new American Marketing Association. I want to welcome the board members, President Gabby, Vice President Celeste, Treasurer Courtney, and Secretary Sidney, who I see is on this beautiful call, and then advisor, Dr. Liz Wang. Um, working hard on next year's semester, and then I don't want to miss this shout out to Kaylee Richard and the Mu Capital Marketing Department coffee mugs. I recommend you buy one, buy two, buy three, a couple for your friends and family. Anyway, <laughs> let's get this thing on the road. All the preliminaries are out of the way. It's 420. What is up with that? How did that come to be? as 
to represent the intake of medical cannabis, not medical cannabis, that was recreational cannabis, correct, when it started back in the 70s? Do you know how it started, Michelle? Um, I've read about it. It was about a bunch of high school kids who would meet after school um, and get high at 420. <laughs> you are um, exactly right. In fact, <laughs> yeah. if you go to your Oxford English Dictionary, this is what it says. <laughs> April 20th is considered an occasion for smoking or celebrating the smoking of marijuana. Coined as a code word by high school students in San Rafael, California in 1971 with a reference to 4.20 p.m., which was the time they would meet to go out and they were looking at first for a field full of plants. They didn't find one. But instead, they have caused a revolution to now Every April 20th, you have all the celebrations everywhere, except this year when you can't go anywhere and be with people. But I got to ask you this, Michelle. Isn't it What's weird that? that medical dispensaries would be having 420 events? Because isn't that a recreational thing? And if you have cancer and you need the medicine, you're not going to wait for a special day to celebrate. There's a different kind of patient, right? There is. And, and that's true, but I think at the same time, people, um, you know, learn about it, maybe who didn't even know about 420 until they started using cannabis and just kind of look at it as a silly little holiday. So I wouldn't say that we have, um, you know, celebrations, but we have like, thank you to our patients. We offer them, you know, specials and things like that. And, you know, maybe have some cupcakes, um, but it almost seems like the patient's medical and you know, because all of our patients are medical. Yes. Um, you know, just want to get into the spirit of the holiday. But but you're absolutely right. Um, it is, you know, not a medically um, derived, like, you know, it's not in the medical, but it's kind of taken the whole cannabis industry by by storm. Yeah, I. it's just it's just a little. The medical community is a different type of community, as, as I see it. Um, now, let me go back here. Um, the one thing we didn't talk about is Gallup, you know, is reporting 86% of American citizens are in favor of adult use. Only eight out of 50 U.S. states don't have a medical adult use or a combination program. And, you know, you and I talked about this before we came on the show. If we had adult use and taxed all these 50 states, it would pretty much close a lot of this gap which is being, uh, this is a result of CV-19. You agree? I do, I do, but at the same time too, you know, once, you know, federal legalization happens, I'm, you know, a little skeptical about what's going to happen to the industry in terms of, you know, being taken over by the pharmaceutical industry and the insurance companies um, and so forth. But. We can talk about that. Yeah, yeah, know, that's, we, we definitely have that in, in our um, list of things yep. to talk about. Uh, so I want to get to this one. Let's, I want to start with this. In the, in the Philadelphia Inquirer yesterday, there was an article which said, should I stop smoking pot? It was found underneath, uh, hey, can I hang out with my friend if we both came off of uh, you know, 14 days of distancing? Answer, no. Um, should I stop smoking pot because of COVID-19? I don't know if you saw this, but they said, yes, you should. Did I mute? Hold on, hold on, Michelle. You, you, can you hear me no, now? No, I'm still here. 
Okay, yeah, good. I can hear you. Okay, good. Um, um, yeah, I think if people are afraid of, you know, because COVID-19 is a respiratory illness and, you know, to compromise anything that you inhale into your lungs, you could potentially compromise your lungs. But the great news about um, the products that we offer in the dispensaries is that there's so many other options besides just vaporizables. So um, we have seen um, a downtick in the sales of vaporizables um, and then more of an uptick in um, the distillates and products like Rick Simpson oil, tinctures, and even flour because people use People will use flour to make um, butters and oils and things like that. Well, the thing, the thing that's, um, you know, funny is that um, maybe this is the thing that gets Pennsylvania into uh, drinks and, and popcorns and candies and uh, cookies and stuff because, you know, Pennsylvania is very limited. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. The reason, the reason why, um, the reason why that I know to be true, why Pennsylvania didn't want to add edibles to the, um, you know, to into the regulations is because they don't want to attract children in any way. Now, granted, we do have many children, medical marijuana patients, children who have autism and epilepsy and anxiety, so on and so forth. But we don't want to have products that will, you know, that kids will mistake as candy and accidentally take. Um, so that was really the main reason why um, I'm no, you know, that's known to be, but, um, but at the same time, we sell products that are fully activated, um, meaning that they don't have to be, um, they don't have to be put on fire or, right. or heated up to a certain temperature um, that patients can make their own edibles. Um, but the state just doesn't wanna have to have responsibility for that. So you think that's how the state, the state's encouraging people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember I'm seeing the, the Secretary of Health talk about it. And that was one of the reasons they gave for not, you know, passing edibles in the legislation. Okay. Hold on a second. I just got to respond on the chat line over here, man. All okay. right. All right. All right. Now, so your first lecture was just, you, you set the industry up. I'd like to hear what you told your, your students. How did you survey this industry of which you uh, work, this new emerging industry? How did you tell your students about what is the landscape? Um, I mean, in terms of, well, I mean, I feel like that's a really broad question. Um, okay, well, like as far as when they're sitting <laughs> in the chairs and they're, how did you introduce the topic of marketing this natural, these natural products? You're doing, like, for example, you're doing the principle. Yeah, no, right? no, I am. But if we're really just going over, like, you know, just the regular marketing concepts that you would go over and then applying them to cannabis. So um, I can't even think of, you know, I can't even, okay, I understand. I'm just caught off guard because this was. <laughs> okay, so what, the way you guys are, you're teaching marketing principles and then you're applying them to the natural. To the medical cannabis industry, industry yes. All right. Well, yeah. So I mean, uh, so the, my first lecture was just an introduction of you know the marketing concepts. It was just a very broad overview, and um, you know, just talking about um, what we were going to go over for the next ten weeks, and then you know, talking a little bit about how um, it is a different animal marketing um, medical cannabis due to their regulations, um, and then we just went over some of the regu regulations in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, you know, and so on and so forth. 
Um, so that's how we set it up. And next week we'll be um, learning about, or this week actually, we'll, we'll be doing a SWOT analysis on the cannabis industry. Um, and they actually have an assignment that they're going to be doing where they have to, you know, pick one of the uh, medical cannabis dispensaries and or growers, whichever one they choose, and, and do a SWOT analysis. But we're, wow. we're going to do it in class as an exercise. And, and um, yeah. That sounds because fun. Because that's like one of the first steps in, in creating your uh, marketing strategy, you know? Well, without a doubt, I mean, the thing is, um, in my strategy and planning class, I, I, I love to use the example of this industry because it came from nothing. You know, 20 years ago, it didn't exist. And now today, exactly. there's, this, there's a distribution channel, there's brands, there's everything. And it, it came from zero, nothing. But um, all right, let's geek out as marketing professors here. Let's, I'll go through the, the four Ps of Jerome McCarthy. Do you believe that that's 60 years old? They, the four Ps, the marketing mix has held up for 60 years. All right, the first one, product. I think you guys have some uh, differential advantage because when I read your website, you, ha you seem to have a very robust uh, genetics that most other companies don't have. You seem to be, it seems like you excel in genetics of your plants. Is that true? I mean, we definitely have a wide variety of genetics and some that we haven't even put out in the market yet. I mean, I feel, I think our mother room and don't quote me on this has about 350 different strains. What so is a absolutely. I don't know. What is a mother room? I don't even know what that is. Um, um, the mother, it's called the mother propagation room. And it's just where the plants are that were grown from seedlings. And then they take, they take, um, you know, a plant from there to create, you know, another plant, but they keep using these same mother plants to, I don't really know if, and that's probably not explaining it well either because no, no. I'm not the direct, the director of cultivation, but it's just what we use instead of having to plant seeds in the ground every single time, the seeds are only planted once. Okay. Then you have these mother plants who then give birth to all of these other plants that are cloned from their mother. Wow. So that's the easiest way to explain it. Yeah. And so every grower processor in Pennsylvania has a mother propagation room. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, now. and it's a very beautiful room. So this is where, you know, when I was reading about the program, that's the, you, know, you have a, there was a certain period of time where they were allowed to bring plants in, I guess, right? Yes. So in the beginning, when um, growers were given their licenses, um, as soon as they were given their license, it opened at 30. Well, I guess with the phase one and phase two, there were different time frames. Um, but once the licenses were awarded, there was a like a 30-day window, and it was just don't ask, don't tell kind of situation. And, you know, these companies went all over the world. And really, you know, yeah, I, I don't know if they were protected legally in any way. You know, or again, it was just shush, shush, because, again, they were only seeds. But they went all over the world to get these different genetics that they wanted wow. to have in their library. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. obviously, you could also sell those to other dispenser of a grower processors yes yes and grower process yeah we certainly could and then grower processors one thing that i didn't realize until i found out later on is that they actually um sell trim and things like that to other grower processors that might not have enough to make you know like i've heard that moxie um which is pure pen one of the grower processors will buy trim from companies like alara healthcare or cresco um, just because they make more concentrates than they need, you know, they just don't have the amount of plants that we have. That's so it's cool. interesting. 
Yeah, it is. And again, I'm not, you know, maybe one time, you know, I can, you know, we could have a whole nother podcast with the cultivation director to really, you know, get into all that because that's yeah. not Oh, my, see, I'm, um, I'm interested in the marketing stuff. I don't care about the plants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was exactly. just, I just thought in, in, trying to come, in trying to come up with how do you guys separate yourselves from the other people you compete with and, and plant strains is obviously one way to do it. If you have well, a bunch of plants that else has. That is one way, but we also focus on our medical formulations. So one thing that sets Alera Healthcare apart is that we're very medically focused. A lot of these companies, like you said yourself, are waiting for things to go wreck. So they really don't care. Um, the people who founded um, Alera Healthcare were actually pharmaceutical executives, you know, venture capitalists, just really smart people who, you know, what our CEO was like a two-time cancer survivor who really wanted to help people and saw the benefits of, of cannabis and had the money to invest um, to do it. Um, so we are very, um, you know, medical focused. We're research focused. We're, you know, Pennsylvania wrote into their law, um, the clinical registrant program, which allows um, certain teaching hospitals to partner with grower processors. Um, but the, but the, the process was kind of political and weird. So we're not, Alara Healthcare is not one of those official grower processors that are going with the teaching hospitals because the teaching hospitals were allowed to pick and we're just a startup company. Um, so we didn't have those relationships, you know? Um, but anyway, but we went out on our own and partnered well, with the children's me, I, hospitals. I thought, I thought that was wrong what they did to companies like you. Those, those hospital arrangements, they didn't have to put down that money, that kind of commitment. Yeah, they didn't have to do anything. They didn't even have to win. They didn't even have to win a license in Pennsylvania. A lot of the companies that are partnering with, you know, Jefferson, Penn, all of this, they were just picked by them. And they had applied in phase one and phase two to be Pennsylvania growers, and they didn't even win. They didn't even and win. And so now they're coming in back door? Yep. yep. Without paying and they all get that money? And they, get to open up, and they get to open up six dispensaries. And without paying all that money? Um, I'm not sure how all of that works, so I can't really speak to that. But um, but I Boy, just that know um, that would upset. But me. I just know that you know I'm sure I'm just know that we just took it upon ourselves to make other partnerships to be able to continue, you know, to get research off the ground before waiting for these clinical registrants to get their plants growing to get because we already have plants, we already have patients using medicines, um, you know, and we already have processes in place, so we have partnered with CHOP to do some research on our formulations. And then CHOP has also done some research with other entities um, to, uh, to research um, children who were already using medical marijuana to treat symptoms of autism. But I think um, just our real medical focus, um, there's not many, many people in the industry like me that their specific position is to actually call on physicians. We definitely have salespeople out there in the industry and we definitely have you know, field marketing people, but it's more community-based. It's not very medically focused. Um, mm -hmm. So um, Alara, actually, we, we put together a physician advisory council to kind of help guide us, um, you know, to let us know what are the doctors looking for in the marketplace. So kind of like a focus group. Right. Um, and then we actually utilize those physicians because they become thought leaders in the space. And then we utilize those physicians to help us educate other physicians to get more physicians in the program. Right. So. So we do a lot of things to stand out, but I think just, you know, as far as our grow, it's also our formulations. Um, you know, patients like m me, myself, I enjoy, as a medical patient, I like a strain called Harlequin. 
Um, I go to the dispensary, I can't often get Harlequin. But at Alera, what we do is we really focus on cannabinoid-based ratios. Um, and we created formulations that aren't strain specific, but that really are focused towards relieving like a spectrum of symptoms that range through all of the disease states. And, and this way patients can get consistent relief of their ailments. So, you know, like now if I go to the dispensary and I, so we have these, you know, different ratios and we have shine, breathe, soothe, and dream. Shine is our one-to-one. -one. It's a daytime. Breathe is geared for people with anxiety. Um, you know, it's a two-to-one, a little more THC. And then we have other products that help with pain and then sleep. Um, but they're consistent and they're always available. So that's kind of, that sets us apart as well, kind of developing these formulations to really, you know, help people who are just starting out with cannabis. Because for many, it's a, it's a new medication. Um, and then just to provide something that somebody will always be able, a patient will always be able to come and get and get consistent relief from. Now, um, have patients responded to your formulations? Yeah, we have. So our formulations are, again, what we've noticed based on the data that we collect is that it's geared toward um, a lot of older patients by the formulations, but, but believe it or not, our dream tincture and our shine tincture um, and our hope tinctures are top selling products statewide, even more so than vapes and flour and so on and so forth. I mean, it's so it's, like you're, it's not, really you're number one, you're number one. Well, I don't know if we're number one, but that's our number one seller in our dispensary and nice. throughout selling to all of the other dispensaries, you know, and, and, and this time, and it, you know, in this climate right now, I mean, people are even using it more anxieties through the roof. You know, so we're seeing a lot more medical marijuana patients come on. Um, they've relaxed some of the laws, so patients don't have to get in-person visits with the doctors anymore. Right. Anybody who's looking to get a medical marijuana card can do it just like this over a Zoom meeting Tele or yeah, over the telephone. Mm -hmm. So it's becoming just easier to access for people and then really helping them through this whole COVID pandemic without, you know, getting addicted to benzodiazepines yeah, or, yeah, don't get or something like that. <laughs> I guess, um, what is the maximum number of dispensaries that will, are, that will happen in the state of Pennsylvania? Now you got these Thomas Jefferson ones that can do six dispensaries. What is the most that can be there? So I guess with the 50 license holders, it's really 150, but then with these clinical registrants, that's another aspect of the regulations. I think each of them can have up to six dispensaries and I think there's eight clinical registrants. So I would say when everything's said and done and the program's completely built out, it'll be almost 200 dispensaries wow. in the state of Pennsylvania. But that'll be it. That's no more. That's one that'll, thing. About that'll be, yeah, that will probably be it until, you know, adult use comes around and then it might be different. So, yeah, but yeah, I'm, I agree with you. But as far as the, far as the program was written, the medical program, once, yeah, once then that, that's it. That's it. In other words, it's mm -hmm. not like Colorado or Oregon, which, you know, Oregon, anybody could open up. And so the caused obviously supply and demand that caused. Yeah. Demand collapse of the Yeah, there's market. only a certain number of licenses. Now, unless the state releases a phase three of licensing, then, then right now there's no licenses available or unless somebody comes in and purchases a license from somebody, which we've seen that happen too. You know, some of these big, you know, cannabis corporations are swooping in and, and buying up companies. Yeah, there was some, <laughs> some, shady, some shady stuff going on. 
Yeah. Now, uh, let me see here. Uh, promotion we're going to talk about later. Okay. Um, so, what's your cannabis story? How did you, how did you arrive as a uh, patient um, of cannabis? So, I've been using cannabis, um, unfortunately, illegally since I was 13 years old. Um, you know, started using, at a, using it as, at a young age in hindsight to, to self-medicate for PTSD ADD, anxiety, and just being a product of growing up in a broken family in Northeast Philadelphia. And from a young age, I just found it to be very calming and relaxing. Um, there were a lot of alcoholics um, and a lot of addiction in my family, gambling, alcohol, drugs. Um, and I just felt better when I used cannabis compared to when I didn't. Um, and I've, I've used it ever since. I'm 44 years old now. The only time that I didn't use it was during both of my pregnancies because that's just what I thought was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then other times that I had to take a hiatus were just during job searches. So I've always worked, you know, in large corporations in a very professional capacity as a pharmaceutical rep or medical consultant, but I, I always had to pass a pre-employment drug test too. Right. So I would have to you know, stop using it well, you now know, for a while. Now there are states that are outlawing <laughs> that, that drug test. You see that? There's states that are allowed. Yeah, outlawing. there are. And it, yeah, I think New Jersey just did it. And there's, um, there's still a lot of gray area with that. But, you know, this was even before the program. So I just wouldn't do it. I would get the cannabinoids out of my system and I'd get the job and then I'd be cool. But now I'm so happy to be where I'm at now because the first time I have um, this professional job that not only encourages me to be a patient, but reimburses me for it too. So at Alara, we have like a patient, um, a patient, well, we have like a patient discount and we give discount to industry professionals as well. Um, I mean, we have an employee discount and then an industry professional discount and not very big, but then we also get like a stipend of um, $50 a month um, to put towards our medicine, which I think is really nice. Uh, you know, it's a benefit that I've never had. Never I don't know if anybody benefit. else. Yeah. Um, so it's just really been a huge part of my life. Um, you know, it helps me physically. It helps me mentally. I actually use it before I work out. Um, depending on what strain I use a lot of, um, high CBD stuff. So that's this, that's, you know, different strains that really don't have great psychoactive effects, right. but I honestly think it makes me, um, feel younger and look younger than I actually am um, coupled, coupled with good genes. <laughs> and I think, and I think that um, it helps me mentally in, in that it helps, it helps me focus and relax. Um, and just, I think it makes me an overall better person. So it's really not, you know, a crazy story, but um, that it's my story. Oh, the Chinese called it the yin and yang. I mean, this medication has been used <laughs> since the beginning of civilization. Um, <laughs> how did you end up working in Alira? How did you get so, the job? That's actually a funny story because I was following the program because I couldn't wait to become a patient. So I am one of the first patients in Pennsylvania. I've already renewed my card for the third time. Um, but um, I wasn't really even thinking about working in the industry or how I could, you know, how what I could offer them. But my son at the time was in nursing school and he wasn't one of these like pas passionate, like, I was born to be a nurse kind of guys. He right. just sort of fell into it. And he was like really stressed out because he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I had a friend who lived in Boston that I used to work with. And she told me that she was getting into the cannabis industry and she was a nurse. So I said to my son, who also likes cannabis, this is my older son, he's 26. 
now. And he said, um, I said, oh, maybe we can look up a job and see if, you know, if there's any jobs for a cannabis nurse, because I didn't really know much about the program at the time. Uh-huh. This was back in 2017. So we sat there and we looked on Indeed and lo and behold, I didn't find a job for him, but I found a job for me. So I saw this job and it was the job that I do now. And I knew after reading the job description that I had to have that job. Um, so, so I made it happen. <laughs> and that's how I ended up at Alera. There you go. Now, what's a typical day mm-hmm. look like for you? Um, that's funny because there is no typical day. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess um, nowadays that you can't go anywhere. Yeah, there's not. But even in the beginning as a startup company, even though I was hired as, you know, the physician outreach person and the community outreach person, I found myself wearing many hats in this organization from, um, janitor to designer. You ran to the dispensary, man- dispensary to construction manager to general manager. Um, to just opening up another dispensary in Lancaster. So, so really just wearing many hats. But, but a typical day as a physician out and community outreach would be, um, you know, stopping into physicians' offices or, you know, having a scheduled lunch and learn or scheduled meetings with physicians because a lot of times that's the best way to get quality time with them. Um, just giving them tools to help them educate the patients and to drive them back to our dispensaries and just really creating relationships with physicians. In addition to that, reaching out to, you know, the local community around all of our dispensaries, um, you know, partnering with um, different organizations to offer education um, for prospective patients and, you know, mailings, fax, e-blasts, like, you know, doing other marketing activities. Like I, I run a physician Facebook group. I manage a physician advisory council. So always something different, wow. um, but exciting at the same time. And, you know, it's crazy because you said your wife is a pharmaceutical rep and I was for many years. And when I was a pharmaceutical rep, unless a doctor was trying to get a date with me and I was always married, um, they didn't give me their cell phone number. With this cannabis, they want to know so much. And, you know, I'm like, now I got all these doctors like up in my cell phone, <laughs> and which they just wouldn't do, you know? And it's like, Oh, reps aren't allowed in the office today. Oh, but you're the marijuana rep. Come yeah, okay. on in. Yeah. They, they <laughs> want to see the cannabis kid. All right. Like yeah. That. So, so yeah, so that's pretty much a typical day, but a typical day is never typical. I got and, you. And in, a, in the cannabis industry, regardless of what your job is, if it's a startup company, you're going to wear many hats. Oh yeah. Period. Yeah, I would, I, I would think that you have to. You, you have, have to, do to but it's fun and you learn and you come out of your comfort zone that way. Now, as a female in this male-dominated industry, how, how has it felt to be a part of this in the beginning? I mean, you know, you know, that's something to be proud of. It is, and I feel amazing. And honestly, I never thought of it that way because I'm used to being a female in a male-dominated world because I live with five guys. I have a husband and I have four sons. So I'm constantly around guys. I deal with their antics all the time. I know how right. their minds work. Right. <laughs> um, and just, just being a pharmaceutical girl rep is to dealing with you know physician egos and, and things like that. Um, it doesn't even faze me. Um, but, I, but I feel blessed and I feel the women that, um, you know, one of our founders of Alara Healthcare is a woman. She's also our chief financial officer. Um, she also runs many other successful businesses. So I have a lot of different mentors that I can look up to and a lot of women um, who know what's up to show me the way. So um, 
I haven't felt intimidated by that at all, you know, because I, I feel like anything men can do, women can do just as good or better. I'm not arguing with that. <laughs> I've got two daughters, two granddaughters, two stepdaughters. My wife's sitting over there. So yeah, I'm all about that. I agree. Now, speaking yeah. of that, I'm looking on my, on my panels here and I've got a lot of uh, female marketing students that are interested in mm -hmm. this. So Michelle, what's uh, some recommendations now that the industry has been up and running? How, how would someone go about finding a marketing job? Um, I think what I would I mostly suggest to people is just using the internet. Um, I noticed that Indeed and LinkedIn often have um, often have the most jobs posted. Sometimes you can find something a little bit different on LinkedIn that you may have not have found on Indeed. Um, you know, recruiters are out there as well for the cannabis industry. So it never hurts to, you know, network with recruiters and, and things like that. But um, really just being persistent, more peas, um, yes. persistent, proactive, positive, um, but definitely proactive. Like if you want to get a job in the dispensary that's opening around the corner from you in a few weeks, don't wait a few weeks to send your resume. Right. <laughs> send it like three weeks ago because it is very competitive. Um, you know, you just have to have like tenacity to keep trying, you know, to, to get rejected if, if need be. I wouldn't take no for an answer. I like borderline stalked my people to get where I'm at. And I'm not going to suggest that, but at the end of the day, I felt like, what did I have to lose? Um, because I wanted to let them know how bad that I, you know, wanted at least the opportunity to get in front of them. Right. And sometimes that's the hardest part, just making yourself stand out. Um, you know, so just thinking outside the box and how you can, you, you know, make yourself stand out and just having like a, a small cover letter can make a big difference about, you know, why you're passionate about the industry or why, you know, we should hire you over somebody else. But, um, but um, if you ever see anything pop up in Alara, anybody who's listening to this, um, Alara or the Apothecarium, um, shoot me your resume. I'll get it right over to our Director of Human Resources. Um, we're going to be opening another location in Chester County this summer. And then we Whoa. have, you know, locations opening in um, New Jersey as well. So there's a lot of opportunity. Fantastic. Now, um where do you see the industry headed in a year from now? Well, see, that's tough to ask you, Michelle, because of COVID-19. I mean, that yeah, but, but I feel like in a year from now, I think it's going to continue to grow. Um, I think we're going to see, I think, you know, especially in Pennsylvania, um, because we are, we are growing faster than any other medical marijuana program, like really on the East coast. Um, I also think that anxiety is going to surpass chronic pain as the top condition. Um, because we saw that as soon as it was added, really, you know, reached for, and especially with COVID-19, there's much more anxiety in the world. Uh -huh. um, I think we're going to see, you know, slowly a lot more patients join like cannabis programs throughout the country, just as people become better educated. We're normalizing it. We're talking about it, you know, in universities like Westchester and in, in marketing classes. So we're normalizing it. Um, people's grandmoms are taking this medicine, um, you know it's it's becoming more normalized and just from that i think it's going to grow and then in three years i probably see it being like closer to federal legalization but not yet there um i definitely see within three years a lot more clinical research um happening um giving it a lot more legitimate legitimacy in like the medical communities um because yes. they will have that research that the doctors so you know need so much 
um, because that's just how they're trained. Um, and I, and I mentioned it earlier, I'm a little nervous about the repercussions of what, um, you know, the pharmaceutical and the insurance industry yes. is getting their hands on it might do, um, because I have personally worked for both of those types of companies. And I can assure you that their interests are not as patient focused as they say they are. Um, oh, you know, no, they're no, more no. dollar they're about making money. Come on. Big, <laughs> big tobacco isn't selling cigarettes. Big alcohol. Exactly. Alcohol like, well, maybe COVID-19 it is. Uh, so yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I, I see changes coming. I, you know, some of them are going to be good. Some of them, you know, we'll see. Nobody knows. I don't have a crystal ball, but I see good things and I see more patients getting access. And I think that's the most important thing. Well, the thing is, I mean, if you, this year we, we actually got a, a marijuana uh, bill through to the Senate to vote on. It sits there. It hasn't moved. To enable mm -hmm. banks to offer loans and other banking services, which is desperately needed. So, you know, contractors and even vendors don't even touch the plant would be able to use banking services. But I, like I said, nothing mm -hmm. is going on with that. Um, I'm curious how you market to your doctors, Michelle. Do you? Uh, um, all, okay. So, yeah. So um, we definitely utilize direct selling like they do in, you know, pharmaceutical yep. sales. Um, and we really, um, we really um, market to the physicians in so many different ways. Um, we have, as I mentioned, I have the Physician Advisory Council. Um, so we work with, to, to help develop some of these doctors as medical marijuana thought leaders. And then in turn, they help us market um, medical marijuana and the legitimacy of it to other physicians who then become medical marijuana patients and then help further grow the program. Um, all of the um, already approved medical marijuana physicians are our lowest hanging fruit because, yes. you know, we're really marketing to them to offer them tools and education that they can offer their patients in the hopes that, um, you know, they'll see the value in that and recommend that their patients come to our dispensary because by law, we can't really come out and say that. We can't say, hey, refer to our dispensary, but we can go out and educate them about what we do, you know, how we do it differently, um, and, and give educational brochures that just so happen to have our address and phone number on the back of it. Um, so really it's the partnership and um, the partnerships help the doctors as well because doctors refer patients to our dispensary, but we refer, we refer patients who come into the dispensary without a card to the doctors. Mm -hmm. um, and then, wait, I have this written down because um, I, I forget what I said, but we refer, we refer, the doctors refer to us, but we refer patients Potential to the doctors, doctors. Who, are, who are, right, who are looking for the thing and then they refer them back to the dispensary. But then we also, yeah, so it's, it's really just um, it's a relationship, but, it, but we can only market, yeah, but we can only market through educational ways, you know, we can, you know, utilize any, you know, we have to, we have to um, follow the Sunshine Act, which are the federal regula regulations yes. for the pharmaceutical guidelines. So okay. nothing like branded, anything that we give to the physicians has to be approved by the Department of Health first and so on. Oh, wow. Um, well, and certainly... all of the and medical marijuana physicians can be found on the medical marijuana website. And in addition, we do have a physician newsletter that we put out monthly, um, you know, with just, um, things that are going on in our organization, as well as just news articles 
and then we spotlight our physician advisors and things like that and then just have like resources for them. Um, we also have a physician social media group. Um, so it's physician only, it's by invite only. Um, only physicians can join and um, it's a safe place for them to like share case studies, clinical information, ask advice, you know, I have this patient, what do I do? So that's been pretty cool and that's been slowly growing. Um, and then just all of the other things, like we do email um, marketing, we do, we actually do fax blasts to physicians. I know that sounds archaic. It is, but, but physicians they, they have fax machines. But they have fax machines and they're the only one who use it. So we've actually found much success. And all of these different, you know, marketing um, strategies and tactics that we use, we, we, we measure all of them. So it's ongoing. It's a process. I mean, I, I know I probably sound like Professor Elmer. Ah! <laughs> these are the things that you hear in class. But, um, well, they're good. But they're it's good true. Things. But it's true. Yeah. All so right. Now, we... I got to ask you this question. Uh, how, have you, mm -hmm. how have you done with, uh, the, you know, has your product held through this? You know, the, are you shorty, shortage of supplies? How's your inventory? No. I mean, we're kind of blessed. We're blessed because um, – I would say our inventory from other growers in our dispensary can be lacking at times, and that seems to be across the state. But when Alara first opened three years ago, we built a, um, our grow capacity was 40,000 square feet out uh -huh. of a 60-some thousand square foot facility. We have since more than doubled that square footage of our grow space, wow. and it's all and, and it actually holds like double decker because it's all inside. So we've really um, increased our capacity by, and, and we are not running out of product. So there is no more flower shortage. There may be flower shortage from every other grower besides Alara, but uh -huh. because of Alara, there is no flower shortage in Pennsylvania anymore. Um, so sometimes it's the only flower that you can find, but it's there. And then in terms of, you know, business, you know, with COVID, it has affected it has affected the amount of patients who have been coming to the dispensaries, but it has increased revenue. So patients are coming, but they're buying more at one time and they're stocking up. And yes. that's the same reason why we're seeing a decrease in the number of patients that are coming through. I see. So we are as essential business, we have been blessed and you know, it's scary for our employees because they are on the front lines, just like doctors or nurses and grocery yes. store workers and all of that, and and the scariest part is if you know some if if say somebody got the virus in our growth facility, then like and say the whole facility went down. Now yeah, there's no, trouble. yeah, we would be in a lot of trouble. So we're taking all the precautions to keep our staff as safe as possible. I mean, we take temperatures when people come in. Um, everybody has to wear a mask at all times. Um, wow. Yeah, so we've been blessed, but we've been super cautious and. You know, just trying to keep everybody safe amidst everything that's going on. But but so what, but but there is no shortage of product, at least from our company. I can't speak for anybody else. Now, um, how has the, the the relationship with the new owners been? How how do you like it? Have you heard a vision for their dispensaries? Because obviously they took Alira's name off, and now they're apocatharium of them. Yeah, so that was actually our decision. So the it's so crazy because. Um, the reason why Terrasen bought us, so Terrasen's this huge global company. They're in Canada. They're in the United States. They have uh, quite a few brands in the United States, one of them being the Apothecarium, which is, you know, a, a brand that was, that was also bought by Terrasen. 
So they were the apothecary and before Terrace owned them, but they have a really nice brand that we can get behind that is kind of very similar to the same values that we have at Olera. So when Terrace bought us, oh my God, and my boys are fighting in the background. I hope you can't hear them. I can't. We can't. Um, okay, good. <laughs> because there's a brawl down in my house. Yeah, <laughs> it gets that bad. <laughs> I mean, right now it is. Um, but that's okay. My husband should be down there. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, but where am I? What was I just saying? I'm sorry. Oh my God. You, I got oh, worried about the fight going on. I don't want it to spill over. No, they're okay. They're okay. They're big brothers down there too. But what was I? I was just, um, we were I talking about apothecarium and how you yeah, ended so up apothecarium. So they were already a brand. So anyway, so, so right before Terrasem bought Alara healthcare, they had just won a, a license, another super license in New Jersey to open up three dispensaries and, and to grow. But meanwhile, in North Jersey, meanwhile, they're up in Canada. Now there is a Terrasen US that's just buying up different brands like the Apothecarium and like Alera. So they pinpointed us and found us because we were a successful, profitable startup company in a very short period of time. So they said, hey, we need to buy them so they can help us do what they did in Pennsylvania, in New Jersey, and in all these other markets that we end up in on the East Coast. And that's exactly what has happened. So normally when a large company comes in and buys a smaller company, you have to worry about losing um, your job and things like that. And none of that has happened. Nobody lost their job. And in a sense, we are kind of in charge. Um, the management team um, in Pennsylvania of Valera Healthcare is what's going to be called shared services. Um, and is, you know, really helping get all of these other markets off the ground, first being New Jersey. So the reason why we changed the name to, um, you know, we rebranded the dispensary is because um, there was a lot of confusion in the beginning by naming Alara Healthcare Grow and Alara Dispensary the same. If you think yes. about it, there's quite a few other verticals in the state. There's GTI, but they go by GTI the grower, Rise is the dispensary. Yes. Um, you know, there's Cresco, herbology. Cresco's brand, yeah, Cresco's Cresco and stores. Sunnyside. Yeah, Cresco and Sunnyside. So there's different. So it just became confusing. And, and that was probably one of the marketing mistakes that we did make as a new company, you know, because all of these people are, had established in different states. Um, so we see so it, it, it just made it easier for us. So we said, you know, we have this other brand that we have that we can leverage. Um, you know, let's change the name. We can rebrand our dispensaries, but we're still exactly the same. There is no change. Um, you still have the medical focus, the patient focus, the physician focus, the same exact staff. We have just changed names and we're owned by this huge parent company in um, Canada who is depending on us to help them build their brand on the East Coast and beyond. So it's actually very, very, very exciting. Sounds awesome. Looks great. It's a great setup. Yeah. Yeah, now, it really is. And our, our, our CEO of Alara Healthcare is actually the East Coast CEO of TerraSense. So the, the, one of our founders who founded Alara Healthcare then sold, his, sold the company to TerraSense, now works for TerraSense as the CEO. So wow. it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity. But so how, how are you going to uh, build the brand of the, uh, the new dispensary name, Apothecarium? It's how just going to be the same way. We're going to, it's going to be the Apothecarium by Alara Healthcare, an Alara Healthcare company. And it's just going to be another, um, a new brand. And if you kind of look at, you know, we've already, you know, changed the, you know, the colors and the, you know, all of that stuff. But really like the brand 
itself in terms of, you know, customer service. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's our logo. Um, customer service and all of that. It's really the same, the same as what we offer at Alara right, Healthcare. So there's real. Yeah. So that's all. So we're just, you know, a lot of people would get confused with Alara Dispensary thinking, maybe not coming thinking we only sold Alara products or things like that, where that that's the furthest from the truth. We sell, you know, a whole variety of products from all different growers. So we just thought that it was a, a better, um, you know, marketing and um, branding decision to help move our dispensaries forward. Well, I mean, to, I was just, I was figuring that since they're such a big player, if they go national someday with retail and I mean, now they have stores, they got a brand yeah, and that, across and the country. Exactly. And that's exactly what we're doing. So, you know, the apothecarium, they're thrilled with what we're doing. You know, the apothecarium out in Las Vegas and California, even though they're not a medical dispensary, they're recreational. They're thrilled with like, you know, how we just opened our dispensary in Lancaster and the look of it and the feel of it and, you know, what we're doing um, in our marketing strategy and campaigns. And, um, you know, like one of my physician newsletters had gotten to like a high up at Terrasen just from like a high up physician down at Jefferson. And, um, you know, and our marketing, per our marketing director got a lot of props for, you know, what we were doing. So they're excited. Awesome. Um, yeah. Let's see. Um, what programs do you help patients to help manage their, you know, do you offer training? Maybe now you have to offer training online. Have you guys kicked that around in terms of- Yeah, support? as a matter of fact, we have. Um, prior to COVID-19, we were, we had quite a few um, education and certification events planned where we would partner with, um, with uh, um, some of the medical marijuana approved physicians. And we had one, we had our first, um, our first patient program in February, and you can't have these types of programs at the dispensary because the Department of Health doesn't allow it, especially if you want to include patients who are looking to find out more or maybe want to, you know, find out how they can get a medical marijuana card and so forth. So we, re we, rent a little, we rented a little space. There's a hotel right behind the dispensary, and, you know, we rented the conference room, and, you know, we set up this whole education um, where patients would have um, access and prospective patients would have access to the pharmacist, but then also the physicians that were partnered there were offering um, low cost certifications. So $50 for recertifications and 100 for initial certifications, which are the lowest prices around. So the patients really appreciated, you know, the extra education that they could get plus the service of, you know, being connected with these um, physicians. So since COVID-19, um, you know, we can't offer the certification part of those right. programs, but we can still offer the education. So um, since we've been all kind of been in, on quarantine and working from home, we've been building our um, educational, you know, content bank. And you will see within the next couple of weeks, um, us putting out some Zoom type meetings or like roundtable meetings like this okay. to discuss, um, you know, to different things, products, um, you know, ask a pharmacist, ask a physician, um, how to get a medical marijuana card, things like that. So we're excited to offer that coming soon. Now, how, how do you guys run marketing as a function there? You said marketing manager, is that, is that a marketing manager in your, in your location? In yeah, so we, we <laughs> So we have a, we've run a very, 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 very lean staff. 
So we have a director of marketing who kind of oversees the whole marketing, you know, strategy, everything. For, what, He's for on our management team. For Alera? For everybody. For Alera, for TerraSend, for TerraSend New Jersey, for everybody. And then we have a creative manager who works under him. Um, she's awesome. Her, she's a young, you know, just out of marketing school girl. And we need about four more of her. We need about four more of her. So I can see us getting four more of her soon just because we have so much. What's, and what's besides her, what's her skill set? Is her skill set an artist? A, a lot of graphic, graphic design um, and, and mar you know, but mostly and, graphic and design. Copywriting and, and, and uh, publishing yeah, and all that exactly. stuff. So we don't have to like, because we also use like um, a third party or an agency to do a lot of that stuff. So having her has really cut out the expense of, doing that but we still do use them so we need more of Janine and then my department which is just me and um, I have a couple of um, staff well I have a staff in each dispensary that has a hybrid role of being a wellness associate as, as well as an outreach coordinator so we support the marketing department as well I mean I even go as far as some of the things you see on social media um, is, you know, we have a whole, you know, we use Hootsuite and we have a whole calendar and, and wow. so forth. So very, very lean staff. So it's basically the outreach department, which is me and a couple of employees, our director of marketing, a creative manager, an outside agency. And then we have our sales team as well, which our marketing department does a lot for them in, in marketing to the other dispensaries as a grower processor. So they also support the marketing team. So at all, at all in whole, we're like the marketing and sales team. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely, there's That's definitely we, opportunity kids to work, yeah, that sounds to work in good. this industry because we definitely need more people. Well, we gotta get, we, <laughs> yeah. we gotta get the kids. The more, the more skills you have, the more talents you have. So, better, so better. very lean staff, but that's what makes us, you know, that's what helps us keep our margins tight and, and keep us successful to have these, you know, this huge company to want to have purchased us. This is how we've got to where we are by working our butts off. Well, I mean, I've had you on this phone here, this interview for over an hour, plus the goofy half hour of my reggae party that nobody could hear. So uh, I, I wanna, I'm going to wind this down so you could find out if any of your sons okay. are seriously hurt from that. I don't think so. I heard dad yell at them and everybody's quiet. Okay. I'm concerned. I'm very concerned now. Don't um, you know, we talked about this and I feel this is important because it, I think it's valuable because I know people that it helped. Uh, I know yeah. some folks in the restaurant that I worked at who had a problem with opioids were able to use mm -hmm. medical cannabis to help manage it out of it, so get, a, get off of yeah. it. And I know yeah. your sister had struggles with that. Yes. Would you like My to talk sister did about have I would. Um, thank you. My sister did have struggles with opioid dependence, and unfortunately, she is a statistic because she passed away um, from an opioid overdose, and she was you know, I was the one who was using, you know, cannabis at 13. So everybody thought I was the bad one. And she wasn't bad at all. She was just a normal person. She grew up, she didn't do any drugs or alcohol or even cannabis when she was younger and became a nurse and worked in a nursing home with older people and ended up hurting her back by lifting and moving older people. Um, and then just had easy access to some of those medications. And that's how she became addicted. So just, you know, one of those horrible stories that you hear, but then she was clean for 10 years. She got clean and 
you know, she went back to nursing. She had never lost her license, which was, which was good. And, you know, she had a family and everything was good. But, um, you know, once you have addiction, you always have addiction. And, um, she had, um, you know, some stressors in her life that I, you know, caused her to start using again without really any of us knowing. And, you know, until we found her, you know, dead. And I just wish, you know, and, and that's kind of one of, I'm really proud of the Pennsylvania program and many of the other programs are following suit. We were the second program in the state to um, allow, and that was one of our added conditions after the program already started to allow to use medical cannabis for opioid um, dependence and reduction. A lot of the, um, you know, AA and NA community are, are against it because, you know, they believe in like abstinence. Yes, and, totally, you know, total abstinence. And, Total abstinence. So, you know, I, there's a whole network of people that come into our dispensary who maybe utilize AA, but then can't talk about, you know, their struggles or their medication in fear of being like kicked out because that's like their only, only support. So, right. um, so it's nice, you know, that, it, you know, it's being legitimized as a harm reduction treatment. Um, maybe not everybody buys into it, but we're definitely seeing the evidence that it's helping people. And there are some surveys and there are some initial studies that show that, um, you know, it can help um, and it does help. And not only are people reducing um, their opioid use, but they're, um, you know, replacing it with, with cannabis as well. So, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I wish it was something that um, my sister had access to because maybe she would have considered using cannabis. Um, um, so I, I think it's important to talk about because um, we have, I mean, I'm sure there's not one person on this call who doesn't know somebody who knows somebody who died of a drug overdose. I, one of my son's friends that, you know, he went to high school with, we just found out yesterday, he just died. And he was the second of his family to die. So now his parents lost two sons to an overdose, which is awful oh. to me. Yeah, sad, sad, sad stuff. But we're hit, but ca you know, cannabis is a positive thing, um, and it's helping a lot of people um, overcome that addiction, or at least replace it with something, you know, something less dangerous and something that can't kill them. Right, because you, you can't overdose on cannabis. You can't. I, I once heard you can you can overdose you can overdose but the, overdose it's so ridiculous you a panic attack an it's, overdose will give you a panic attack it won't cause death <laughs> yeah you can't do so much cannabis that you die exactly all right well so, like so i yeah, say I, so. i've uh, kept you way way longer than you again thank you for doing this michelle um oh my pleasure it was fun i love <laughs> excuse I, me any way i can help well, before we go, this is my favorite question. Okay. What's, one, what's one piece of advice Michelle today would tell Michelle, the college student? Um, you know, when I was younger, I, I started college when I was really young. And, um, you know, I had a lot of insecurities, even though I probably had no reason to. But that's just how us kids are sometimes. So my advice would be that a negative mind will never give you a positive life. And what we think and what we put out, you know, project into the universe is what comes back to us and that we should always just stay positive and grateful and humble and all will be well. And, Michelle, <laughs> and, I, we, and I try to live by that. And I'm going to say you do. You exhibit all of those. Thank you cool. for doing this. Really. You're truth. welcome. Thank you. And you've been a good friend and, this is awesome. 
I, I have everybody's <laughs> microphone on mute, so I can't have anybody say, yeah, they agree. Oh, yes, I'm getting people are saying, <laughs> oh. very good, very good. So awesome. thank you so much. And uh, you're look, welcome. We'll have it on the podcast. Thank you. And we'll yeah. see you later. Keep, keep All right. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. All right. Happy 420. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>